You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell, Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. We appreciate you joining us today for a special edition of this podcast coming a little late this week with some late breaking news in the week. Breaking news that another Colt will enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Shryman ceremony later on this fall or Sometime late summer. early August. Exactly. Uh, and his name is Dwight Freeney. Defensive end, years in the NFL. From? Syracuse University. Drafted in 2002, 11th overall. Um, and our very own Mike Chappell on the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee. So content here that you can't get anywhere else. We we love a bunch of the other Colts podcasts, the guys that, that work in, in the media. Guys do a tremendous job, but I genuinely believe that Mike gives us something that, that no one else can give you. So, so we don't want to waste our time with anything else right now. We'll get to more news around the league, more Colts news that's coming this week, but, um, but, but, but we'll start, Mike, with you. And, and the fact that Dwight Freeney is a Hall of Famer and the um, just the – um, the the message that you shared about him uh, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, uh, their receptiveness to it, uh, and ultimately uh, why you think Dwight Freeney made the cut uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And then we'll get into why Reggie Wayne didn't. And then we'll get into that, yes. I, I'm still PO'd over that. See, see Mike, Mike are already, yes. I am. Like, I, 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 we'll, we'll get to Reggie. If you can successfully table your anger for yeah. about 10, 15 it, it, I'm minutes. Getting up, I'm upset Reggie is. Mm-hmm. Over I believe the top, it. Over the, and he should be. Mm-hmm. But but we'll get to that. that that's why I'm hoping people I, – I, I hope people can 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 enjoy Freeney's enshrinement more than being disappointed over Reggie. But with Dwight, it, it was his second year of eligibility. He was a finalist last year as well. Without getting too deep in the weeds – we get a list in in maybe January, and it, well, it'll be coming up, of like 170, 180 people who are nominated for the Hall of Fame. I can nominate, I could nominate anybody that's eligible. I could nominate Hunter Smith, the punter. You can nominate Jack Muhort. Right, and you his name nom- and yeah. his name is on the list. Right, but but then we get more serious, and it goes from 200 to like 50, and then it's down. Then, then it gets serious down to 25. And then we get the list of 15, and those are the ones we discuss in the room. 15, and then you name. Right, and then, and then it's down to five. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always important to go from 15 to 10 in our process, and then the five, when you get to the five, it's thumbs up, thumbs down, you need 80% of the vote. So with, with Dwight, last year he did not make the final 10, and like Jared Allen did. Hmm. which is normally a sign that Jared Allen is the hotter commodity. He's first in line, so to speak. So to speak. Or well, because DeMarcus Ware made it. Right. And this year we had uh, Julius Peppers, right. who was who just a, a beast. An absolute stud. Like, I, I saw him. We, we, they had a, um, our Chris Hagans out there, and they're feeding back the press conference right afterward. Like, everyone else is holding the microphone up there, and they look like normal human beings. And then Julius Peppers grabs the microphone to start talking. And he looked. It looks like it's a kid's microphone in his mammoth hand. He st- he stood next to Freeney in one of the pictures, and and Peppers is I six six. Yeah, he's six six. And Freeney's six one on a good day. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's sort of compact makes him look shorter. But the, the biggest the biggest selling point is that was that Dwight was 
is simply was simply a unique player and was able to do in my work leading up to it talk to Michael Strahan who's I don't know third or fourth on the all-time sack list and more important uh Joe Thomas who we made one of the who's one of the all-time great left tackles he was the first ballot guy last year and he 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 offered he said the, the, the best pass rusher I faced in my 11 years was Dwight Freeney, and it wasn't close. And he mentioned that, you know, Julius Peppers was a good player. I think he used the word good. And he could get a sack if you got sloppy. Freeney, he said, you just couldn't block him. And it was so much as on that spin move that we we marveled at, but at some point you just took for took for granted. And Thomas said, you know, People used a spin move before Freeney, but when they did it, they like spun in place or they went side to side. He said Freeney was always moving forward. And uh, just the fact that, and he said he, he, he revolutionized the position. Michael Strahan said the same thing. He said, Strahan said, I wasn't the least bit shy of stealing moves, <laughs> whether it was from Reggie White or, mm-hmm. or, or what Bruce Smith. He said, I couldn't steal the spin move. He said, I just couldn't do it. And so people need to realize that Freeney's presence, reputation in Indy, we know what it is. It's, it's immense. Nationally, it's, it, it's another level, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't realize until like last year and then this year that he is viewed as a, as a generational player who, who, you know, he comes into the league. Remember, he was 6'1", 260. He was undersized. Mm-hmm. But he was one of those guys, and there's a lot of them, that was a perfect fit for Tony Dungy's defense. It just He just was. And uh, so I, I, I was a little surprised still that he was uh, second, ba- or second time in getting in. But nationally, I'm telling you, the, 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 the reputation and the presence that he had nationally was really incredible. Yeah, I remember talking about this last year when, when Dwight didn't get in, him and Mathis both, since they were both uh, kind of on that finalist list or at least semifinalist list. Semifinalist, yes. Ra- I, Robert hasn't gotten final 15 right, yet. Right, right, not, not yet. Um, and, and Matt, we talked about kind of both of them and being somewhere around at the time, it was like between 16th and 20th or 16th and 22nd all time in the uh, – in, 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 in sacks in NFL history and most of the guys above them had gotten into the hall of fame. Most of the guys below them had not gotten into the hall of fame. So they were both right at that kind of right at that breaking point. And that's why it made them somewhat of a, a, a question about whether they're hall of fame worthy from, from chaps experience there with the selectors, like the national perspective of Freeney was certainly put him in the high, put him in the top group immediately. From your perspective, you're growing up, you're a Colts fan here in Indianapolis. Uh, what, what was Freeney's meaning uh, to you on, on that side of the ball? And obviously, an offensive team, but what was what was Freeney's impact? Well, y- you know what? Usually, when it came down to it for the Colts, uh, they needed a big play toward the end of the game. You know, on on defense, and a lot of times they had had a lead, and uh, we're trying to protect that lead, and you could almost always count on Dwight Freeney and or really Robert Mathis as well to make that play at the end of the game you you know and uh, as I've mentioned before on on this podcast whenever you see somebody do a spin move in an NFL game the commentators inevitably go back and they call it the the Freeney spin or the Freeney spin move and the the Freeney spin cycle if you will and you know when when you have that sort of uh, national 
uh, fame or, or, you know, that gets into the public consciousness, then, yeah, he's definitely made an impact on the game. But, boy, you know, I remember when they draft him, always oh, undersized. It's not really going to work. What are they doing picking him this guy this high? But, man, the motor that that guy had, and, yes, he had the spin, but he had the speed, and it was just a, a marvel to watch. I, I actually went back after uh, to, just to prepare for this podcast to, uh, to the first-round picks as defensive ends, listed as defensive end, from 2002. That was the year that Friedman was drafted. And then I went back just five years because I could have gone back forever and I probably would have just kept proving my point. I figured I'd already proved this point looking back only five years. But it was between, you know, three and six defensive ends in the first round between 2002 and back to 1997. Dwight Freeney was listed as six foot and one half inch. That was his measurement, whether that was at the NFL Combine. And they normally fudge high. Right. right. Or at his pro day at Syracuse University there at the Carrier Dome, probably working out in front of all the scouts. We need a little ding every time he mentions Syracuse. But, but... But Dwight, in terms of guys in those five years, from 2002 back to 1997, well, that's six years, excuse me, that I went, no one else as a first-round defensive end was shorter than 6'2". No one else as a first-round defensive end. I didn't want to go too much further than that because I'm sure you can find someone in there, the fourth, fifth round somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. But, but in terms of first round, the guys that are viewed as elite prospects, you know how much Chris Ballard loves his numbers. There's a lot of other general managers that think the exact same way. you think he would way. have drafted him? Hmm? No, think? I do not think that Chris that, Ballard that, would have drafted really, him. It's really fun to think about. Uh, it is, but I, I think I, I, my immediate answer is no. Yeah, because, because he's all about measurables. He, exactly. He's got his templates of yes. players and sizes, yes. and he sometimes he does, but re- it has to be exceptional right. for him to go outside that box. If I remember correctly, and I probably don't, but the the two players that they that they were arguing about, debating about, were Freeney and Albert Hainsworth, right? Who was a tackle from Tennessee? Tennessee, yes. And I believe Pullian favored Hainsworth, and I think. Tony said, "No, man, pass Don't rush. Yeah. I, I think now maybe maybe I have it backwards, but but mm-hmm. you know they 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 weren't sold on Freeney. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind that he didn't start for the first half year. Maybe? Half, half yeah. the, he Eight, started he started halfway point and he blew up Philly. So yeah, he he was not from the mold. But even that year, Julius Peppers was the first rat, first number one what's overall he, pick. What's he listed at? Six he, six, six two eighty three yeah. was Peppers, and there were a couple other guys like that when you look back, like Courtney Brown from Penn State. Remember, was six five two eighty five. Like uh, Ebenezer Ekubon, six four two seventy five. Like those are the guys that were drafted high right. in the first round uh, at, at that time. Andre Wadsworth, six four two seventy two. Peter Bolware was six four two fifty five, but he was kind of more of an outside linebacker there back in nineteen ninety seven. There's all these. Guys guys that are that big or or just as big in, in that range and then Dwight Freeney at six foot and a half inch 266 but but he's able to do that guys because because of his unique skill set and because of the spin moves part of it but it, it was that like he was still uniquely strong like you said chap in, in the picture with with Julius Peppers last night he's compact like he's still not just he's doesn't lose strength because he's small. He had a bull rush too, mm-hmm. and that's what made the spin move effective. Because right. you get right up in the uh, offensive tackle's face, 
and they don't know what's going to happen, if it's going to be the bull or the spin. That's what happened on the Marlon Jackson interception to send the Colts to the Super Bowl. He got right up in Matt Light's face, a left tackle at the time, a Pro Bowl left tackle for the New England Patriots, and he just kept going. It wasn't his spin move. It was his bull rush that got to Tom Brady on that pass and made him throw a little bit sooner than he wanted to, let Marlon Jackson intercept that ball, sent the Colts to the Super Bowl, finally got over that hump. That's one thing that I remember with, with Marvin Harrison. They said one of the impressive things about him is every route looked the same. Mm-hmm. And Joe Thomas mentioned that with Freeney, you never knew what you were getting because everything he initiated was the same. And then, then when he contacted you, then you had to adjust to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. One thing that, and, and since Freeney's in and I can't hurt his candidacy, I laughed about because Joe Thomas said, you know what I really liked about Freeney? is he was that all-around player. He was as effective against the run as he was the pass. Sure about that? And I thought, nah, I, how many times did we see he and Mathis rush upfield and the running back cuts inside? Mm-hmm. But that's, that's, that's what's unfair sort of about pass rushers. I've, I've had this argument like pass rushers and left tackles. The left tackle plays 57 of 60 plays, perfect. And he gives up three sacks, and he's awful. And Freeney could stand there for 57 plays and then make three sacks and four fumbles, and he's a Hall of Famer. So Freeney was better than what I'm joking about, but he's in the Hall of Fame for his pass rush disruptive presence, not so much his, his run ability. Well, and, and I, I mean, one thing that yeah I can always remember about the, the Dungy era of that defense is those guys on the outside – you know, they weren't really concerned about the run game. There was they, – they didn't really care that much about it. If they happened to have a running back run into them, all the better for it. But their job was to get to the quarterback, and that's what they did. They built that team with Peyton and all the stars, get the lead, and then turn Freeney and Mathis loose in the fourth quarter. And it worked. I, I, like you mentioned, I can think of, gosh, a half a dozen. When I was doing my uh, – my background on Freeney, I went through. I, I went and looked at every one of his sacks. I think I had six that you classify as walk-off homers, walk-off hits, mm-hmm. to where that's it. And there were games where they they were doing nothing. There was a game in Cleveland where they was awful, just awful. And in the fourth quarter, either Freeney or Matt, I think it was Freeney sacks the quarterback might have been Derek Anderson. I don't know who it was at the time, and the other guy returns it for a touchdown. So. That's what you want. The league is about, yes, it's volume. Receivers, yeah, 100 catches. But it, but it's the 14 yards a catch. It, it, it's the difference, to, you know, the playmaking differences, and that's what Freeney was. He's tied for third all time with 47 uh, forced fumbles. That's correct. And number one is Robert Mathis. Our fine friend on the other side of the uh, the line of scrimmage there. And, and, and the guy that, he's, that Freeney's tied with is Julius Peppers. So, you know, the great players make great plays, and that's why, again, in August, uh, Freeney will join, I think the number is now is 378 Hall of Famers, alive and dead. And, and Freeney, uh, his rookie season was his career high with nine forced fumbles, as Matt points out here in our rundown. That's, which still, is, that's still. Which is remarkable because he only amazing. played half the season as a starter. Right. That's still, I believe, tied for the league lead in a single in a single season, I, I believe. Just incredible to to have that type of stat in a year where you didn't even play all that much because he just he really did take the league by storm when he got that starting role because it was something that like I like I pointed out like we all pointed out like his unique size and his unique ability. The league's about leverage. Yeah, and he's already low. Right. Right. And, and yet he doesn't lose any power. And I mentioned the national presence. 
I know at least one person is very upset that Freeney got in, and that's Jared Allen. Yeah. Who has? I understand why. Well, yes. It, it's it, a very similar situation to how Colts fans will feel about Reggie Wayne. No question. And, you know, he, he's got, a, I wouldn't say a better resume, he's got more sacks mm-hmm. and may have more Pro Bowls by, by one or two. But, you know, Freeney was all decade, which is. That really, puts you in. That puts you in. It, it really does. So, but, but it, no, you're right. It's, it's one argument they, that I always hear is, well, this guy, whether it's, whether it's Jared Allen or somebody needs to be in. And you say, okay, well, who you want to take out? Well, I don't want to take anybody out. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. If, if you're going to add another guy, you got to take somebody off this list. I think there have been a couple the last few years of the complete list. I didn't really, you know, I didn't like. I thought there was somebody that shouldn't be on it. This year, I think this is a pretty strong list. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, we'll get into more of this this year uh, in a second. But our, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of – um, at least wrap up this part of our Dwight Freeney discussion saying that, uh, like I said earlier, our Chris Hagan is in Las Vegas this weekend and spoke with Dwight Freeney uh, on Thursday night after the NFL honors ceremony when they announced all the, um, all, all, the, all the Hall of Famers and all the winners of the awards. So, and you can watch that interview on Sunday. It'll be after the Super Bowl over on Fox 59 in central Indiana on our sports overtime show that airs at 10.35 p.m. So again, Chris Hagan with newly... Uh, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Dwight Freeney, Sunday night, 1035, Fox 59. Be sure to be there and listen to it, where, where Dwight goes into to plenty of detail about like how he was able to to stay good, not just be good at the beginning of his career, but stay good. He, he talked about once his knees go out, you know, how, how good are you then after four or five years in, 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 as a career in the NFL? And you've, you've made a name for yourself, but then all of a sudden you're not the same physically that, that you are anymore. And it goes to the story that, that Joe Thomas told that um, that everything he does, it looks exactly the same. It reminds me of, of a pitcher like a Greg Maddox. Like everything you do looks the same. And then when the ball gets to within 15 feet of you, it either keeps going or it darts left or it darts right, it darts down, whatever. Like that, that's what it was with, with Dwight Freeney. He was a master of hiding his intentions, and, and that enabled him to, to, to fool more left tackles and the best left tackles in the game and he uh, went, more often he, than not. He always faced the left tackle. Right. He was always on the right side. Mm-hmm. So a couple things about Freeney. Again, he'll at least be able to look down on Chris Hagan. Yes. So, so he, that, he's that, one that, of the many. That, that's one thing. But what's what's it's it's funny when you you start doing stories. I did a follow up that we posted today about the way the Hall of Fame does these announcements, and they they as much as possible they want to try to make them surprises so they get that reaction. And they went through Freeney's wife Brittany to do all this, and I talked to her a couple of days ago. And what what you just find out things you didn't you didn't really know is because I'm talking to Dwight. He says, yeah, I said, I, I play golf five times a week, you know, with, with Michael Jordan. And, and, you know, I play on my – and I'm th- I, 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 I stopped him. I said, are we talking Michael Jordan? The Michael Jordan. It's not Michael Jordan, your, your mail carrier. And I said, no, it's, we're, we're best friends. And we play it. We play at Michael's course. And normally, if like three guys get together and you're going to say, I'm going to go play at Joe's course. Well, that's where Joe always plays. Right. No, this is this – is, Michael Jordan's course, he owns it. <laughs> so he he's it must at, be nice. He's good at name dropping, but it, it was <laughs> it was really some good background. And they're going to air this uh, of the video of these five guys being 
informed. One of them is really kind of interesting and a little awkward, I think, where Andre Johnson was informed by Edron James. Really? He drove up in his Hall Miami. of Fame car. <laughs> the U. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, here's one of Reggie's best friends is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it's really cool to see these guys where, whenever you can to get the, 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 the genuine reaction. It's something... It, we've known... I've known for a month, six weeks, about what the class was because I'm in the room. But we're sworn to secrecy, as you know, I've not been able to say a whole lot on here previously. But it did leak out that uh, a couple of days early that, that the three Chicago guys got in, Peppers, Devin Hester, and uh, Steve McMichael. Right. And I don't think that came from the room. I'm pretty sure it didn't come from our room. You tell the players, and you know, once you tell a secret, it's not a secret. Right. So somehow it got out, which it, it spoils it somewhat. Everybody else kind of it, it didn't get out there. So, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm looking forward to it. it's NFL Network uh, Saturday at like nine o'clock. It'll be interesting to see the whole the whole yeah. process of what they did. What's the expression? Two can keep a secret if one is dead, or something like that. Right. It's and again to know things, and you <laughs> don't want to you don't want to lie. You just don't. Right. So it's one of those where. It, don't ask me. You know, I, I can tell you that I have to kill you. You mm. don't want to kill people. Thank you for not killing me. <laughs> See, we we frown on that usually during the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs> right, right. But, we again, we were able to, because I could work ahead, we, we had our stuff ready to go, which is always cool. But uh, it, it's always cool this time of year when there's local involvement. And, again, th- th- this is twice the sixth Colt in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. When you include Dungeon, Bill Pulley, and so it's really kind of cool. Yeah, I think there's there's a legitimate chance that the Colts make it in the Hall of Fame game coming up uh, the, this this fall. I think the Bears will certainly be there with their representation in this class. But I mean, after that chap, you have I mean, the Colts are a possibility. Carol- um, Carolina, Carolina is a possibility. Maybe San Francisco. Would the Texans be there? I don't know because it's the very first Texan to be in the Hall of Fame. That, maybe that makes a lot of sense with Andre Johnson. So, so, so we'll see about that. But that's I, at least a possibility. I now. need to do some homework on that because it was mentioned to me that the Bears and the Colts play in the regular season. Okay, and they would probably prefer not to do that. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they do. I need to go and see if that's been the case in previous the last 10 or 15 years if the teams that played played during the season and one thing though is the Colts can't say now nah, I would rather not they tell you right I mean it's it's like here's your fifth this is it or I guess it'd be your fourth mm-hmm. preseason game now but you know the last time the Colts were there it didn't work out so well yeah let's make sure the turf is uh, up to, yeah. up to snuff yeah, let's get do a better job this there. time yeah that, that, that was fun. But anyway, Dwight Freeney, Hall of Famer. It, it's a group of five. But as we uh, mentioned, as Chap uh, brought up right at the top of the show, there with uh, with the limited number means deserving men are left off the board every year. Um, and, and in spite of the fact, Chap, that you think that this is a good, solid, Hall of Fame-worthy five-member class, both you and uh, Reggie Wayne, who tweeted out the, uh, the infamous Kurt Angle meme, uh, just uh, staring at the camera like, what is going on here? Uh, uh, are, are not not overly happy with with Reg being uh, being uh, left waiting yet again. We talked to Reggie in probably December when when the final group came out, and again he made the final 15, fifth year in a row, and we talked to him about it, and he he he's tired of waiting. Mm-hmm. He, he he Edron James waited six years, 
And it's funny because he said when Edrin finally got in that he told Reggie, the weight's worth it. And he said, that's funny because he said every year that Edrin didn't get in, he was calling me and bitching about not getting in. <laughs> so once you get in, you're in. But but it's there is a cruel side to being considered every year and not getting in. You know, again, the, the Hall of Fame contacts these guys that get in maybe a week after the process, and then they've got to call the 10 guys that didn't get in. And I was talking to the guy at the Hall of Fame. He said, yeah, he said, you know, we told Dwight. And I said, so then you told Reggie? He said, yeah. He said, that wasn't as good of a phone call. Yeah. Uh, I All of these guys, I believe, are legit Hall of Famers. I had a problem, and I still do with Andre Johnson, because when you have guys that are so closely bunched like Reggie and Andre and Torrey Holt, if if you put their, their, their bios side by side, you know, six or seven Pro Bowls, two or three All Pros, uh, thousand yard seasons and all of this, you can throw a blanket over them. You really can. And you could argue for anyone over the other, although Reggie's body of work is better. It's just better. And normally when it, when we have that level of of quality at a position, it, it defaults to who's been waiting the longest. And in that case, it, it should have been Torrey Holt. He's been waiting 10 years. Right. Uh, I remember with Marvin Harrison, and I'm still incredulous that he had to wait three years. <laughs> One of the top 10 receivers of all time. He had to wait for Andre Reid. Another Syracuse legend, but continue. Yes, and now Marvin Jr., what happened there with no Syracuse? Yeah, I know. I know. But but he had to wait for Andre Reid, and he had to wait for Tim Brown. So so there was precedent, and there's been precedent. So Reggie should, Reggie should have gotten in, in my mind, before Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson should get in, but not at Reggie's expense. He just shouldn't. Uh, and again, not to get into great detail, because we're not supposed to, but so much of it, is Reggie the national perception? Is Reggie had Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck? Well, he's going to have great stats, and he played with Marvin Harrison, which is either good or bad, because they're taking like Freeney and Mathis are taking stats from each other, and and Andre Johnson's best quarterback was Matt Schaub, and then a bunch of guys that most of us can't remember. Right. In uh, one of the one of the arguments, well, you know, he he was the only guy they had. This is in favor of him. He's the only guy they had, so you know, people focus. Well, he was the only guy they had, so they had to throw to so him. He no was, one else. He was the only guy they were throwing to. So he got all the stats by uh, default. Yeah. So it's, it's not because he earned it by default. In, in, in like a couple of years ago, Calvin Johnson was first year eligible, and he jumped the line. Of course he did. Right. He's he's Calvin Johnson. He's unique. This is one where I just. I thought Reggie should go in this year, although, again, by routine it would have been Torrey Holt, but Reggie's a better candidate. He just is. But when it comes down to one of these two guys, Reggie or Andre Johnson, it should have been Reggie just because of the body of work. And I don't care that he had Peyton and Andrew Luck. And that look at his look at his playoff record. You mm-hmm. know, 21 games and he, he's 93 catches and 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns and that matters. We, we, we've put guys in before. Terrell Davis is largely in because of his playoff record. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently it was okay for him, but not with Reggie. So, and, and part, let's, let's be honest, part of it, I think, 
in the room of, a, of, of the 50 of us, there's a little bit of Colts fatigue. I, I do believe that. Because mm-hmm. you got Pullian in, Dungey went in, Peyton went in, Marvin and, went in, Edron Edge, went in. And now Farini. And next year, you know, Reggie will be back. Mm-hmm. He'll be back in the finals. Right. But then Adam Vinatieri mm-hmm. will be in the room. You know, yes, his career really is cemented in, in Foxborough. He played 14 years here. And, and again, people need to realize you don't go in as a Patriot or a Colt or a Bronco. You go in as you. Right. So, but this isn't uh, like the uh, the baseball hall of fame right, where you right. can have a team on right, your right. on your hat there. Right. You you go in as you, uh, but I I do think there's if if they had so many hall of famers, how do you only have one Super Bowl? You know. Well, there's there's reasons. I I I can go down each year that that didn't happen and rationalize why it didn't happen. But that shouldn't be held against a player who's worthy, and Reggie Wayne's worthy. Yeah. I mean, I, you look at the stats between Reggie Wayne and, and Andre Johnson, and they're just – they're neck and neck. It's not that close in uh, – it's very close in yards, receptions. Reggie's got the edge in touchdowns. And then, as Mike mentioned, the postseason res- uh, resume for Reggie mm-hmm. is far and head and shoulders above anything Andre Johnson did. Yeah. So – you know, it's it's a tough call. And it's, it's funny because the one thing I remember from Reggie talking to us when he was named a, a finalist there was about that, that postseason. And he was talking about, well, some guys, yeah, they say, well, they don't make the postseason. All right. You're bad. And he wasn't saying you're a bad player. He's like, you're bad. You didn't make it. Right. So, right. yeah, don't, 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 don't hold that against me that I did 21 games, which is – with the Colts, it's 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 a franchise record. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's playoffs. It's and how did you do in the playoffs? And so I and again maybe next year. Uh, the trouble is the the room sort of changes every year. The the final fifteen it, it'll change. Next year we've got again I I, I am con, I'm convinced deep down Reggie will be in Canton. Right. I, I I just am. Uh, it's going to take longer than he wants, longer than I want, because I'm telling you, I present. You have him, to present him. Every I year. present him every year, and I've got I've got the same stuff. I've I've joked. I said, Reggie, come out and get another thousand yards for me. Just give me something. But we're you know next year it's Vinatieri. He'll be in the room. Should be in my mind a first ballot selection. Yeah. Eli Manning. That's going to be a long debate. That's a great one. And in talking about playoffs, like he mm-hmm. he. he if you're talking about playoff accomplishments, you you can't get much better than than Eli with well, two Super Bowls. Y- yes, except that, you know, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, you're right. You're go, right. Go after you know, look look past the two Super Bowls, which is sounds really stupid. <laughs> but other than those, it, it wasn't great. But when he was great, he was off the charts great. And who's uh, uh, Luke Keekley? Luke Keekley, really good is, linebacker. You know, he he to me he's in that Zach Thomas range. Mm-hmm. Where yes, he's a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. Maybe in not my first mind, ballot. First ballot. Yeah. So the room changes, and some of the guys, some of the ten guys who didn't make it, probably won't be back. Mm-hmm. You know, Fred Taylor. I think he, he he's like a half a notch below Edrin. Mm-hmm. I think in in impact, but he's got solid numbers. Uh, so it's it's interesting, and again, to, to, you you need to sit in the room to understand where people come from and the one thing that I've learned is you can't trash you build up your guy and you don't belittle the other guys because then you you risk hurting support from other people right 
So, and the last thing you want to do is do that. And uh, but I, Reggie, again, you get like we get like five minutes to make our case, and then there's debate. The debate over Reggie, which included receivers, all, mm-hmm. all three, was like 37 minutes. Our, our meeting was like eight and a half hours, and it it it, it depends on which flavor you like because all three are quality players. All three are worthy of Canton. And finally, finally, the important thing is finally, we broke the log jam at receiver. But in two years, uh, I think it's two or three years, Larry Fitzgerald. Yep, there's another one who'll eligible. Be, who will jump the line type, right. type of player. Probably, I, I want to see Maybe if, not all the way, but... He, he, he's, kind, he, he's sort of like Frank Gore in a couple years. He'll be, you know, he, wore, he just wore you down with the long, the length of his career and the quality, but uh, so we'll see. Like I said, every year it changes. Uh, that's why it's better to get in sooner rather than later because things change and maybe the the room's not as as accessible to you. Uh, in two or three years. Yeah, and, and in terms of other players who are available uh, next year for the first time, you mentioned Adam Vinatieri, Luke Keekley, Eli Manning, also Marshawn Lynch, Terrell Suggs, Darren Sproles. If there was an against the Colts Hall of Fame, Matt Adams, oh, Darren just Sproles. The, the all-time Swiss Army knife team right there is Darren Sproles. That, how many times did he return to punt, catch a screen pass? Well, that one game in San Diego where Peyton threw six interceptions, mm-hmm. he returned to punt and a kickoff for touchdowns, I believe, in the first quarter. I think you're right. And the Colts still should have won. But and they still should have won. Vin, Vinny missed, got a 20, it, it was a chip shot. 26-yard field goal in, in the last couple of minutes. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, again, I, I don't know. Devin Hester gets in because he was an all-time mm-hmm. great returner, and Darren Sproles does not have those big right. wide receiver or running back numbers. But when you look at somebody who was a, a Swiss Army knife, mm-hmm. Didn't get much better than that guy. Yeah. Because I saw him repeatedly kill the Colts. Yeah. Well, it took Devin Hester. This was his, like, third year. It was. I believe his third. So th- there's that's why, like, with Vinatieri, there's still a, a reluctance on special teams players because they don't play 60 plays a game, 70 plays a game. But finally, Dan Pompey did such a great job, a guy from Chicago with, with Devin Hester, is how he changed the game how people simply quit kicking to him. They finally smartened up and quit kicking to him. And, you know, go, go back to the Super Bowl. At the Except Colts on won. the first kick of the, of the Super Bowl. The, they yes. spent all week, we're not kicking to this guy, we're not kicking to this guy, meaning Hester. And then Tony, Saturday night, says, no, we're going to kick to him. We're not going to let one player do this, that, and the other. And returns it for a touchdown. So so the, the net result ends up being Matt Giordano trying to catch up with him from behind. And he darn near and did. He almost did. Very close, very close. The uh, The rest of the class this year, alongside Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, we mentioned Julius Peppers uh, in his first year of eligibility, uh, Andre Johnson, Patrick Willis, the 49ers linebacker, only played seven years, but uh, in that Terrell Davis mold in the shorter career, boy, it was it was electric. Like six it was first team all six pros. first-team All-Pros. That's in unbelievable. The it, it, he, he was Awesome. Amazing, amazing he, linebacker. A, a really great player. Um, and also Steve McMichael from the senior inductee and uh, Randy Gratishar, who was the first member of the Orange Crush defense elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Our Chris Widlick here, longtime Broncos fan, will, will be very happy to, to see that, uh, to see him go in 
to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, so Ric Flair being very excited about Woo! Steve McMichael mm-hmm. being in there. He's been an advocate for his for the last couple of years. As he should. Another player that will go, a couple players going into next year uh, that I, I thought that Antonio Gates had a legitimate shot this year as a first first time uh, first time member. touchdowns. That's a lot. Of time. That's a like lot. Reggie had 82, right. which was more than uh, Torrey Holt, which was more than Andre Johnson. 112. I mean, if the whole point of football is to score points, uh, Antonio did, Gates scored well. a lot of points. There was, again, I, I won't get into the weeds, but there, there was one little hiccup with Antonio Gates, I think, that kept him out of being a first ballot guy. I think there's, he, there's a very good chance next year, which, again, makes it harder Harder for other guys mm-hmm. who've been yeah, waiting in, around. Including Reggie. Yes. When, when, yep. when you, you know you start doing the math, okay, I think Vinny's first ballot, and then mm-hmm. I think Gates gets in. That leaves three spots. Three. Yeah. Yep. Do, you know, do the math. So, yeah, if Reggie's a top 20, 30, I don't know, receiver all time, whatever it is, Gates might be a top five tight end of all time. So that, oh, I, mean, that's, I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the debate that goes well, he into was, it. He was – no, Tony Gonzalez was first. Yeah. As far as – because Gonzalez, we'll, we'll need that – Stud power forward from Cal. Cal. Yep, yep. And, and Gates, I don't remember where Gates went to school. Not off the top of my head. But Kent State? Either. Was it Kent State? Maybe. I think it was Kent State. He never played college football. Right. So that's kind of where a lot of that started, where these, you know, the hybrid guys. And then Mo Alleycox. Well, Marcus Pollard. Before, Marcus Pollard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there's a place for him, but 112 touchdowns. Holy smokes. Yeah, he, he could post up uh, in the end zone with, with anybody and did it so, so well for so many years. Pa- Pollard played at Bradley basketball, right? Right. And uh, I just stuck out in my mind because every, you know, every broadcast that you watch of the Colts on TV, the announcer would point that out to you as if this is something that you had never heard in your life before. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. Because there really hadn't been that many. Yeah. I can still remember up in Anderson at training camp when – I think it would have been Bill Tobin at the time. Brought him in one, one, one afternoon, and you get you see him out there on the, on the field working out this big, tall guy, and, and finally you find out that it's Marcus Pollard. It didn't happen right away, mm-hmm. but he developed into a heck of a player. Yeah, I, I think that's funny, Matt. You bring up the, the, the announcer mentioned because when, when I worked in Tallahassee, there was a kid at a tight end on the team named Nick O'Leary who was the grandson of Jack Nicholas, And oh. that, that was it right there. Like uh, he, he played a little bit in the NFL. He played for the Bills. I think he was drafted by them. But, but every time, the first time he makes a catch in a game, there's Nick O'Leary brought down seven-yard gain. The grandson of the Golden Bear himself, Jack Nicholas. Every time. Like you had never heard it before in your life. And oh, uh, you, you had that, to laugh. The announcer just waiting for that time exactly. to slip that in. Uh, that's number one on his list of anecdotes, like right at the top. And you can cross it off. Okay, we get that okay. one done. Okay. And sometimes even in the, in the fourth quarter, if you've run out of things to say, well, there's the grandson of Jack Nicholas yet again. Standing watching. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so, yeah. That, that's the Hall of Fame class. Uh, a couple more uh, announcements from last night at the uh, honor ceremony. Uh, the, the list of awards, the year-long award winners uh, from the league. MVP goes to Lamar Jackson, his second MVP. Won 49. I was, okay with, I was okay with that. I was okay with that, too. 49 of the 50 first-place votes. In spite of him not having the best game against the Colts uh, earlier in the year, he had some pretty good games other than that. And he stayed healthy, which we talked about this last mm-hmm. offseason when it was the possibility of, well, will the Colts go out and try to trade for Lamar Jackson? Try to trade for why him? wouldn't they? Because he hasn't finished a season in the past couple years. He's played what? Uh, he's missed eight games or the last two years, like both of them. So this year a couple he did. times near the end of the season. Right. 
Right, and, and the most important parts of the season where you're he, about he to get He got playoffs. Tyler Huntley into the Pro Bowl. Yeah, he did get he, Tyler Huntley into the Pro Bowl. It's true. As Chap hits his head. Well, Gardner Minshew played in the Pro Bowl this year, so that was about at the same level. Let, let, let's be perfectly uh, honest about that. Respect to Gardner. Love but, Gardner, but yes, come on. Yes, but... Yeah, there you go. Lamar Jackson, your MVP. Offensive player of the year goes to Christian McCaffrey, running back for the 49ers. Defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett of the Browns, and he certainly had a, a fine game against the Colts when he was saw, here. Saw that one firsthand. Well, and, and to be fair, was it Blake Freeland that was guarding him, that was blocking him in that game? I think it was. It wasn't Blake Freeland that, didn't, that allowed him to go up the middle and block that punt. Or the field, no, field it was goal. not. No, it was somebody no, else. It was, it was Blake Freeland. Yeah, so so like at that, you're like you throw up your hands. You're like, well, what can you do? What, what did you expect? Yeah, putting a, throwing a rookie out there. Yeah, you're like, good luck, do your best. But uh, here's the defensive player of the year, and he he was awesome. Very near unblockable this year. Comeback player of the year, not Demar Hamlin, who I almost was, died. I was surprised. Yes, <laughs> he came back from the dead. Came back from death. Didn't he legally die? Yeah, I believe so. Like yes. I, I saw somebody, and I agree. Like they should name the award after him. For, forget winning the award; it should be named. Named after Demar Hamlin for crying you out loud. You better throw for like forty touchdowns. But Joe Flacco gets the gets this award. Hey after he got off his couch, it's, he did. It's very difficult. If, if they were going to do that, I would I would have given it to Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah. he resurrects, resurrects it. Here we go again with the near with death the, experience. Exactly the verbiage. He, he he re retweaked his career. Mm-hmm. So, but. Yeah, I, I I thought Hamlin was a was a. I thought it was a shoe in. Like Flacco had a remarkable second yeah. half of the year when they well, brought him in. Yeah, absolutely. Then then nothing taken away from Joe, and even even Flacco himself said in a press conference, I think post in the postseason, like that it should go to Demar Hamlin. It's just the obvious thing. So I, I don't know. Anyway, he died. I know he died. He was dead on the field. They literally reached down into death and brought him back to life on the field. They turned that. They turned that light you walk into. Off in and he Cincinnati. Came back. Yes. Well, I, I guess that just shows you how hard they think it is to get the Browns to the playoffs. Well, okay. Ah, <laughs> yes, Matt for the win. That, that, that that's really one. yes, that's really what put them over the top. <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Both go to Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. And Coach of the Year went to Kevin Stefanski of the Browns, but actually he was tied in points That's with incredible. Texans head coach uh, D'Amico Ryans. Just one difference. Um, 21 first-place votes for Stefanski. 20 first-place votes for D'Amico Ryans. So that's why the uh, chap, the, the Texans, didn't sweep Rookie of the Year, Offense, Defense, and Coach of the Year just because of one first-place vote. I'll say this. The, the Texans, they have right now one of the brightest futures in the NFL. You look at it from the award standpoint and from the product they put on the field. I know that the Colts are trying to get to the level of being a playoff and Super Bowl contender again. The Texans are right there with them, and ever and I would say more than right there with them. They're a step or two ahead based on what we saw this season. Fourth and two. Complete a fourth and two, and let's see. Yeah, it's true. That, that's that's why, why you say they that, and that's why you can argue they're right there. Right. I, that's but but again, they've got the foundation in place. They know their quarterback is the right guy. They just know the Colts think their guy is the right guy because you know you're talking a whole season. What did Stroud miss? Two games with a concussion? Uh, one or two games? I think it was two. It had it to be at two. least two. I think it was two. Yeah. yeah. And, and Richardson played. Started four games. Yeah. So, but but they they know and that, you know, and, and they've got the people at the, at, at the the key positions. Again, you've got you got the, the quarterback, you got the pass rusher, and you got the head coach who who made such an incredible impact. And again, I could argue the Colts are sort of right there with them, but there's more questions about the Colts than there is long term mm-hmm. than there is Houston. 
Assistant coach of the year goes to Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator of the Browns with the best defensive unit in the NFL. Uh, e- e- easy. Colts dropped 38 on them. Yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. It, it is. That, that was a crazy game all the way around. Seriously. Just, just, just and they should have won. And they should have won. won that game, if not for a couple of uh, uh, either gaffes or pass interference penalties or lack thereof, whatever it was. Probably one of each. Yeah, perhaps e- one of but each. But either one mm-hmm. turns the game. It does on, on that last Browns drive. And then the Walter Payton man of the year goes to Cam Hayward of the Steelers. Did, did you did you see his, the, the acceptance speech? Yeah, I did. did God, you that see? was great. Yes, it was It was the, the Carson Wentz With lookalike. Carson yes, and he, he <laughs> Prince said, Harry. He said, that's freaking Prince Harry. <laughs> exactly. God, that, that was, and it was so genuine. I, I've heard a lot of good things about Cameron Haywood. Yeah. And, and they showed... The video leading up to it with his dad. Mm-hmm. He was here for a year, two years, one year. Mm-hmm. Ironhead, great guy. Because we always were joking that he was going to bring in the, uh, was it Head and Shoulders? What was it? It was some product. <sighs> what Head and Shoulders? Was it Zest Body Wash? I don't know. It was Body Wash because yeah. they, they, they always brought in those. It was a loofah. Hey, Ironhead, watch with this little thingy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hang on. Great we're going to look guy. this up. Great guy. Ironhead Hayward. Commercial. I can't think of what it was because he's, he's in the, he, this zest body wash is, okay. is what it was. You're right. Yeah. Good job, Matt. Good well, good pull. He's probably still got the tubes from that. Probably. And, and the loofah yeah. from zest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so congrats to all the winners there. Uh, all of them ha- had tremendous seasons. And uh, who knows? Maybe we get the Colts back in there. Uh, well, well, who was the last Colt to win one of these? Was it a defensive rookie of the year? Was it Shaq Leonard? Probably. Was he the last one to win one Andrew of these? Andrew Luck won Comeback Player of the Year. In, oh, yeah. He might have won uh, after that in 18. 2018. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Well, Shaq well, 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 the same Shaq year. was 18. Yeah. So they were the same year. So it was Luck and Shaq in that same year. Robert Mathis was there with, uh, uh, he won the Deacon Jones Award mm-hmm. for leading the league in sacks, which yeah. I don't think they mentioned last night, yeah. but on these awards. Mm-hmm. So I didn't so, see it in the roundup that I right. you know, pulled from on the NFL's website. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Also on the NFL's website today, they had the bio, not the bio, mm-hmm. I don't want to call it the bio, but the uh, the teams that each player was with, they had clearly taken the Julius Peppers teams and pasted them and put them after Dwight Freeney. <laughs> they had him with the Carolina Panthers. With and I'm like, no, 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 no. They went to the league the same year, but uh, no. those are not correct. The one thing I hated about Freeney's career is that it went – to five different teams after he left here? Quite a few after afterwards. But then go look at Jerry Rice's mm-hmm. career. Yeah. I mean, he, I bet he went to... Raiders, Seahawks. A couple different teams yeah. after that. Uh, he didn't, did he go to, who did he finish with? Denver? I don't even I remember. Think he, he, didn't, I think he, he didn't really finish with who he, who he was with. Yeah. I think he did play for the Broncos. You just hate to see the guys do that. But I, I still go back to... I think Freeney's last game was the 28-3 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And when he was with Atlanta... And I was you cut, had your story. I, it was written. done. It was a, it, it would have been a great thing because he had a sack early, <laughs> and I've got my story done. And then then Tom Brady twenty eight to three, twenty eight to ten, twenty seventeen. I'm like, dog, don't do this. And they did this. These idiots are about to come back, aren't they? Yep. And they did. They, Man, that, it was that was such a fun Super Bowl, and then it wasn't. It wasn't. That was somewhat less than fun. Hey, here's fun, some fun news for the Colts. Uh, the owner Jim Irsay returned to Twitter for the first time in a month. Said he's on the mend. Grateful for all the messages of love and support. Um, so, so that's that's a great, uh, very encouraging uh, development, chap, for for the the owner of the Colts to be back on Twitter and to, to be good enough, or at least to to say, hey, I, somebody should tweet this for me, whether it's one or the.
the other. Who knows what it was at the end of the day? But but Jim Jim Irsay on the mend from uh, from his uh, from his what the Colts call a a respiratory illness that he was recovering from, and uh, the team uh, and, and he said that 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 he's he's on the way back. Yes, yeah, Stephen Holder had it confirmed that that was that Jim Irsay did tweet that, and because okay. you're, because you're gonna you're just gonna be skeptical. You just are. And, and he tweeted he tweeted the congratulations to Freeney last night and again tonight or today. So yeah, the because what we were getting, gosh, it was five weeks, six weeks, maybe longer. When about a month, when we hadn't heard anything, right? Yeah, nothing, which I is mean, unusual. Which is unusual, because all we were getting was the you know he he's still recovering or being treated or recovering from the respiratory when. Who know? I don't think we're ever. I swear to goodness, I don't think we're ever going to know what the what the process was from when the police arrived at his his residence on December eighth, mm-hmm. where the police officers called it a, an overdose. They just did right, uh, and that's where like a couple weeks later we got the respiratory being treated for respiratory illness and all that. And I I don't. Part of me thinks that the team needs to. Address it. I, I address it, sort of. Not, and the problem is to do that. Like, you know, bring Carly Ursay out and talk about things, but they're not going to talk about the illness. They just aren't. Right. Because it's it's private, and I understand that. But I do think at some point, whatever that point is, a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, they need to say, "Hey, listen, Jim is on the mend. He's it's going to be a long recovery, whatever." But until he's back, this is this is how we're dealing with the team. Mm-hmm. This is a four, this is the power structure, so to speak. Right. This is a four billion dollar enterprise, and you want to know who's who's running it. In in my mind, it's it's Carly because that's kind of what we've seen. She's been at owners' meetings. She, we see her on the sidelines. We've talked about it. we see her on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. We see her at practice. And they, as we've talked again, also when you run, when you've got this type of a, a business, you plan for, for succession. Yes, I mean, there, there's. I hate to be cold hearted about it, but yeah, you do because you have to. So they they they've just they've gone through this. They know what's going on, and I'm not going to say it's been seamless the last weeks without Jim out there, but. They they they've they went through this in 2014 when when he was suspended. So yeah, I, I, but I do think at some point it would behoove the team to sort of explain how the team is being run until the big boss comes back. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say that I, I know Jim Irsay has all the confidence in the world in Chris Ballard in particular because he's he's specifically uttered that um, he hasn't really talked about. His daughter's role, from from my recollection, in my almost right. decade of co- covering the team, um, so so at least that if if somebody else out there remembers something different, by all means tweet me at Dave G underscore Sports. But I I can't remember anything like that. And from your reaction, chap, I don't think you can recall anything it's, immediately. It's just never really come up, right? Because it, yeah, it hasn't been it, it hasn't been relevant to, to to talk about to ask about. There have been other things to talk about whenever Jim Irsay is on the mic, like uh, Andrew Luck's health or uh, Shaq Leonard's contract or uh, you know Jonathan Taylor's contract or, or the Amos drafted Clay Matthews, yeah, exactly, or or, uh, or, or COVID or uh, it, 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 
or, or a zillion things that, that, that have been much, much more uh, important to, to bring up. And, and you know Jim, you, you can ask him about three questions, and he'll talk for about 25 minutes on each of them. So, so that, that's, that's the extent of what you get, which but, is great. But, but the bottom line is, is the news is encouraging. Yes. Because failing that, you, your mind goes to other places. Mm -hmm. So I think it's encouraging that he's on the mend. My gut tells me this is going to be a, a long road back. But at least it's a road back. Well, and, and after he tweeted that, then last night he tweeted about Dwight Freeney. Right. And then earlier today, he tweeted again about Dwight Freeney and then said, Reggie, you know, your day is going to come. As soon, uh, 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 pretty much, Reggie, your day is coming. Right. Soon. It can't be denied was, was his, uh, his, his verbiage. Right. And, Chap, it seems like that's, that's where you're leaning as well, just based on the conversations you've had over the past six years. But, like, frustrating for you, like you said, frustrating for Reggie even to a, to a greater extent. But it's, it's a day that's coming. Hey, if nothing else, you got another party in Canton, Ohio, because this year all the Colts, uh, all the former Colts, will be celebrating uh, Dwight. You get another party next year, uh, maybe with Adam Vinatieri. And Where, is uh, the Super Bowl in New Orleans next year? Reggie tweeted something about that. Oh, He's, that'd be great for Reg. Well, he, he said the Super Bowl, Louisiana boy, and Mardi Gras are on the same day. Now I don't know if he oh, said it was in, in 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 New Orleans or not. But remember, Reg got in uh, when it was in Miami. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be kind of cool if they're back home in New Orleans. I don't, I don't think it's in New Orleans next year. I, I just I didn't do enough research. But, Did you look uh, that up, Matt? Are you looking it up? Well, uh, Reggie said they would be in the same week. Okay. Uh, Super yeah, Bowl so and Mardi, Mardi Gras. Because I, I believe that was one of the reasons that they had passed over New Orleans. Uh, Have you ever been down? I've never been from Mardi Gras. I've just been to New Orleans, which is awesome. Well, be there. For, I, I can't imagine how it is on Mardi Gras because I was there for Super Bowls and in. You go down to the French Quarter on the night, the night before the Super Bowl, and you go wherever the crowd takes you. Mm -hmm. you, <laughs> you have you no other option. You can't move. I can't imagine whether it's two times the people for Mardi Gras. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible atmosphere in New Orleans. I thoroughly you enjoyed need, when I went there. It needs to be on your bucket list. Yeah. But be prepared. It, it'd be like Times Square mm -hmm. on New Year's Eve. Yes. You, just find you a place and try to stand, and you can't. Couple coaching additions for the Colts announced this this past week. Alex Tanney added as the passing game coordinator. You might remember that name because he was a practice squad member of the Colts. I don't remember him. It was in like twenty fifteen, I think it was. Yeah. So and he's been on a bunch of practice squads. He was in the NFL for nine years. Um, played in two different games in his nine-year career. One of them was against the Colts. He Eleven was, passes, twelve passes, and he completed like seven or eight of them. Like he completed 80 percent of his passes, and he even scored a touchdown against the Colts. Uh, in fact, when he was playing with the uh, Tennessee Titans, in so, so just the the typical replacement quarterback exactly. story. And, and that game, boy, if if you guys don't remember that game, the the tremendous last game oh, of the season. Oh yeah, they, they had they had the Ryan uh, Lindley for the Colts. Who was the other guy? Was was it Freeman and uh, Josh, Josh Freeman? Freeman? Because they because Lindley was the the red zone quarterback yes. that Clyde Christensen got. Yep. And he threw a touchdown. And he was playing against, for the Titans, Zach Mettenberger in, in that game, who he, started the game. Is he a game. local guy? Mettenberger? Mettenberger? He went to Georgia. I don't think he's no, a local I thought, guy. I thought, he, I thought he was from, like, I don't remember him being him being local. I could be wrong about that, but but yeah, those were the starters. I think it was Ryan Lindley or Josh Freeman, and then against uh, against Zach Mettenberger. Then Mettenberger gets hurt, and Alex Tanney comes in. It, it was just the uh, the pinnacle of of quarterback play in NFL history. Looking back to that game, this uh, indicates he's, he's been a Georgia guy all of his life. Okay, okay, for, that, for, that, um, that's what I thought. I, I wasn't positive. For Mettenberger, but, but thank you for for double checking that. So Alex Tanney, passing game coordinator, he worked with Shane Steichen in Philadelphia for a couple years on 
on that staff, was on the Eagles staff last year too. Justin Hamilton hired as assistant defensive backs coach, needed one with, um, with the departure of Mike Mitchell. Charlie Partridge joined the staff as the defensive line coach, needed one with the departure of uh, Nate Ollie, uh, who, who left the staff this offseason. So, and I, I, I still thought Ollie was a strange. Yep. Not coming back. Yep, because more sacks than any time in Indianapolis. Every Colts player history. on that line had their best season. Had tremendous seasons. Everyone. Like you saw some development from Quiddy Pay. You saw development from Dio mm-hmm. Odengbo. Dio Odengbo. Samson nice Ebukam. We talked about this like uh, a, a little bit in our. Um, What's it called in our uh, kind of player recaps and our position recaps? And that's what we'll get back into next week. I think we have linebackers and defensive backs to, to talk about at some point. Maybe we work some special teams in there, too. Um, and, and then pretty soon we're going to get into the combine. We're going to get into the draft, uh, the offseason, free agency. And and what's it called? Uh, transit and transition tag. Franchise and, tag. and franchise tag also uh, comes up at uh, the franchise tag and the combine come up at the end of this month. So so there's there's tons coming up. The, the NFL never sleeps and they do the, the best job of any league. Yeah. Keeping uh, it that, in the, that in the mind, is. staying in the news, and that's why we come to you 52 weeks a year here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast to, to discuss uh, what's going on lately. Of course, Super, plenty going Super on today. Bowl is in New Orleans next year. It is in New Orleans, February 9th. Next year. There we go. Super Bowl and Mardi Gras would be in the same week. Madhouse. If you're into madhouses and people watching, will so be at its clear your schedule zenith. Head over there to New Orleans. It, it, it is, with all due respect to Indy, because Indy put on one of the best Super Bowls ever, and they just they just did. As and they, like and they lucked out they with the weather. Did. They, they just oh, it they perfect. Did. Yes. New Orleans, boy, it's just you know, Indy's problem is they don't have, you know, Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. Which they're that's good and bad. Right. <laughs> but but a city like Indy or New Orleans where you can get to your hotel and you never need your car. You just walk everywhere. In Indy's more compact. New Orleans, you can still walk just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, I highly recommend going at, at any time. And if, if you make it the Super Bowl, A, watch out. B, you'll have a great time. Clutch your wallet or your purse because right? people, people oh, are yes. grabbing for it. Oh, and, and, yes. and don't throw beads because bad things happen when you throw beads to people on bad the balconies. Bad things happen. What do you mean bad things happen? I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. chap. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit next week because we're out of time this week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow all Mike's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Matt Adams is at Statomatty. Mike Chappell is at mchappell51. I, Dave Griffiths, am at DaveG underscore sports. And we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.